try to imagine all life as you know it stopping instantaneously and every molecule in your body exploding at the speed of light. Total protonic reversal. Protonic reversal. Protonic reversal with your host, Conan Neutron. Broadcasting from a secret underground lair in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. A gigantic middle finger to everything that is rotten about music, rock and roll, and corporate power. The thing is, though... If you don't laugh, you're going to go on a killing spree with sharp and nails. Confidence of a hero or a fool, I wasn't exactly certain which. Could not be more professional. That's like a science thing, right? Indeed, indeed, indeed it is. It is a science thing. It's a science place. It's a scientific fact. We're all up in your face this time. Once again, for the one, the only, Protonic Reversal. Welcome to it, welcome to it, and additionally, welcome to it. Uh, Tonight's special episode. Tonight's special episode. Mountain guest. Mountain, a guy I know from Chicago, but uh, is in the is in the Mountain West now. So I feel very validated by always giving the live times that include uh, Eastern, Central, Mountain, and Pacific uh, whenever I have someone from Mountain Time. And uh, yeah, as opposed to people on the East Coast who literally just don't acknowledge any other time zone exists. Uh, and uh, he's an exciting one. This is this is a this is a great fella. He is I originally know him from the band Bearclaw, very long running awesome band Bearclaw, who are awesome. Uh, two basses, uh, very melodic, but uh, heavy stuff. And uh, there's a incredible band called Rented Rooms, where he actually doesn't play drums, but they should just call that band drummer because everyone in that band is a good drummer. Uh, and of course, uh, the mighty Almanac Man, the the brand brand new brand new ish new. It's pretty new, new to me. Uh, band who is uh, doubly fantastic, operating out of uh, Denver, Colorado, and gonna talk about all that with, of course, Mr. Scott Pico. Uh, but first, before we do literally any of the things that I just said uh, right there, we are going to do this. Uh, welcome to Kona Neutron's Protonic Reversal. I am your host, Kona Neutron. I am a rock and roll lifer who has toured and recorded for over 22 years. Most known for the band, Conan Neutron, and the Secret Friends. Music is a huge part of my life, and I use the format of this long-running podcast to talk about music with musicians whose work I enjoy and respect. Folks, there may or may not be household names, but do something very special. This is episode 304. And if this is your first time listening to the show, all the archives are at protonicreversal.com and are always free. No ads, no sponsors, no kidding. And if you like to support the show and get episodes sooner, you can give $1 a month to patreon.com slash reversal. And if you like the show, or even just a single episode, please feel free to share it along, like, subscribe, or post a review. All of that helps people find the show. Just a darn nice thing to do. Okay, cool. So now I, I call that the taking out the trash part of this show, and I never used to do it. But I, I feel pretty good about it. I feel like it's sounding less stilted and unnatural. Uh, but... Uh, let me know how you feel. So without further ado, maybe a little bit of ado. No, no, no. Without further ado, let's go ahead and bring him on. Uh, Mr. Scott Pico. Welcome, hey, my brother. Going, man? How you doing, man? Here, I'll do this one. Good. Good. Uh, thanks thanks so for much, having me. Thanks so much for coming on. 
I, I I appreciate you wore your finest shiner shirt for that for this. It's awesome. Uh, how? Let's start off with 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 the most recent, and I want to kind of go through a little later, uh, song by song. Almanac Man's an interesting sure. confluence of folks because I know Brian from other circles. And uh, how did how did Almanac Man come to pass? Like, how does this band form? Yeah. So I'd say um, so when I moved out here, uh, it was like April 2019. Um, I had to get situated, and I had met Brian on a cursory level uh, through the PRF Barbecue Chicago back then. I think it was 2016, but we didn't talk too much, just a little bit. I knew who he was. He knew who I was. So when I moved out here, um, once I got settled, I wanted to try to get in some kind of a musical project because I've been musical project since I was 20, basically, without interruption. So um, after we got settled, I... Went and uh, uh, met him actually at the. Uh, he was he kind of organized the PRF Denver uh, barbecue, and um, when I saw him there, um, we kind of talked a little bit, and I mentioned that I was looking to start something up, and he said, "Well, he had Larium going at the time, and he let me know maybe we could jam or whatever." And then uh, a month or two went by, and uh, coincidentally, Larium broke up. The drummer left the band, and so we started playing, and. Um, that just kind of dovetail into uh, Almanac, man. Um, once we had a couple songs put together, guitar, drums, uh, he brought in uh, Nick Holtz, who's uh, the bass player from Larium as well. And uh, that's kind of the uh, the way it came about. Yeah. Did you guys land another name fairly early on, or was it uh, was there a challenge to get there? No, you know, that's, that's a good question. It always seems to be, especially nowadays. These days especially, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I would say... That one actually came together pretty organically. Um, we, I, I would say it wasn't very early on, but we kind of had a unique start. Um, I'm sure it's not a unique story given the time frame that we formed 2019, but we just got to the point where we were going to be able to play a show. We were starting to talk about a band name, and then COVID hit. Right. And um, <laughs> then about two and a half years later, I think we played our first show, something along the lines of that. Um, so we did have the name right before COVID hit, maybe four or five months into the band, but didn't really use it or anything until we started releasing and playing out and things like that. So, I find that interesting too, because bands that have started up recently that did start up during, you know, during the pandemic or, you know, we're about to start playing live or whatever. It's a crazy time to have a new endeavor mm-hmm. uh, kind of be brought into the world. Right. Because I mean, it's, I think it helps when you know everyone. Everyone in the in the band in the band it seems like has been in you know been, been in bands before. Like it's not their first number on the block, right? right. Uh, and I think that helps a lot. But it's still a, a crazy time to like. Well, we don't even necessarily quite know what this is yet because you know we've only like just started doing this. But you basically have to put it on, uh, you know, with carbonite in the Han Solo carbonite. Uh, yeah. Until like you know, we figure out what's happening with the world, and that's what was that? Uh, you know, did it kind of feel just strong enough from the get go that you're like, no, no, I want to see this through. This is cool. I dig this. Yeah, I would say that 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 was we we felt good about where it was going. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, obviously there were negatives with having to wait to play out and really get things going. Um, but in a way, it kind of gave us a chance to really hone the songs and sure really we had plenty of time so we just kept working on different arrangements coming up with what we felt like was the best arrangement we took well at least for me personally i took way more time writing vocals than i had in any other band did a lot of demoing with uh 
different ideas with you know demos that we would record when we were playing in, in the basement here and uh that was one of the positive aspects of it but yeah it was going on two years two and a half years and brian and i and nick at the time were all like are we ever gonna play a show and then uh <laughs> right. the interesting thing was um about three months or two two months or so before we played our first show nick said hey i'm moving back to the east coast so brian and i were like uh, we're finally ready to play a show. Now the bass player is going back to the East Coast. Um, but uh, luckily, uh, we found a, a, a great person to step in. Uh, Sean joined the band. Uh, was about a year or so now ago, and he stepped in and picked it right up. So that that definitely uh, went as good as it possibly could. But uh, yeah, but yeah, it was a stra- it was a strange endeavor um, up until then, for sure. Well, yeah, the reason I bring it up is because I feel like there's a certain amount of energy you have to put into something new that you don't have the inertia to yeah. rest on when it's already kind of a known commodity and, ha- you know, you have stakes in it in the fact that there's been, there's there's records out, you know, it's a, it's a thing that yep. tours, like, whatever. Um, you know, like, it, I mean, it, it seems... It seems as if Bearclaw, for instance, has, you know, like you can kind of just operate Bearclaw on low power for extended lengths of time. And I know you guys have done that and it, it, it works yep. out fine. But you just don't necessarily like new, new it's, it's, it's a delicate time <laughs> when you're getting something yeah. new together. Uh, but I think it's a cracking band. I think it's really great. And uh, it, it was almost, nice. it was a pleasant surprise. Actually, so this is this is this is a speaks to the credit of the band. I heard about it and it heard about it being something I should check out before I knew who was involved with it. Oh, that's good to hear. So yeah, I did not know good. that. <laughs> no, no, no. no. Yeah. I figured I'd save that for when I have you on. <laughs> Butter yeah. you up a little bit. Yeah, I no, appreciate it. Uh, and it's great. Um, it's awesome. It's, it's awesome. It's it's uh you know it, it's 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 really cool. Uh, did you? I've always been. I've, I actually don't know the answer to this question. But did you start singing or did you start playing drums first? In Almanac Man, in general or general? Yeah, uh, I actually started a million years ago playing guitar and singing. Um, right. This is back late '90s, but um, so I would say I started playing drums first, and then I kind of worked in some very minor vocal stuff in the early Bear Claw records, and a band even predated that called Hello Operator that was around for about a year. But it was really, really sparse. Um, and then it just kind of, you know, I drew on the gu- singing while playing guitar background and just kind of worked it in with drumming more. But it was uh, a little bit of a steep learning curve at first. So uh, eventually I was able to work it in more and more. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's something where I think that there's always – there's always – well, first of all, there's the stigma of the singing drummer. I guess we can just start with oh, that, yeah. you know, which is which is earned or not is, is definitely exists. And oh, yeah. and then there's also the mechanics of, you know, if you're tippy-tapping away or doing some Ramon stuff, okay, that's fine. But if you're really throwing yourself into it, that's a lot of uh, limb independence, first of all, uh, because you have to worry about a microphone, you know, unless you're a headset mic kind of guy. And then it's it's a lot more to concentrate on. Like, there's just not a lot of – not tons of examples of, of folks that have done it well. It's always interesting – visually too uh to mm-hmm. have to have like you know you've got this this you know, triangle or trapezoidal trapezoidal sure uh formation and then you have the singer being like the one on the drums but then also you've got the cool vistas that have like the underlighting so it's like a bit of a yeah. show anyway so it comes up rather unorthodox but did you find that to be logistically difficult to 
try to pull off at first? Or do you have any tips or tricks you could share? <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I can tell you the way I kind of got, I feel like I got better at it over time, but yeah, it was, it was a big steep curve at first and I've always done it um, where I write the drum part totally independent of the singing before I even think about the lyrics. And then I would try to do a mix of trying to figure out where I could sing and not sing and where it would make sense um, and kind of work that out. And then once I got that kind of roughed in and I was starting to get more comfortable with it, um, the drumming part always kind of had to almost be on autopilot by the time I added the vocals. So there was a lot of practicing instrumentally first and yeah. it's starting to get committed to muscle memory. So now you can start working in like, how will this phrasing work with what's going on with my arms and legs and whatnot. Um, and then once you get to the point where you can kind of put those two pieces together, the third part that I didn't really think about until I started doing it more and more was learning the breathing aspect. <laughs> it's hard, you know, cause it's things like that was hey, going to be my follow up. This. I was like, when did you learn yeah. how to breathe? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it would, uh, cause you don't think about things... that as a thing. Right. And then, yeah. it's, but then, then you'll find yourself like, Oh my God, I'm going to, I'm going to literally die if I don't get this piece of it together. Yeah. And just like, small things like, Hey, I'm going to do this fill. There's a vocal part. It's going to be awkward if I try and take a breath in the middle of the fill. So let me grab it before, or maybe at the very end. And I wouldn't really chart it out or anything, but in my head, I, there's certain parts where I'd be like, okay, grab a breath, get ready, go into the next piece. And until you get that, that squared away, I find, at least for me, I find that I'll be running out of breath. I'll start singing flat, things like that. Until you get the breathing sequence, right? There's challenges that you would never think of if you aren't if you aren't trying to do it. And and again, where you would naturally think to draw breath or pause as a drummer wouldn't necessarily be the same place that you would as a singer. And it, it seems like mm -hmm. it's um, it seems like it's a lot. It would be a lot to handle, and it, it seems like it might be a bigger pull than uh, you know than just you know playing guitar or bass and, and singing. Uh, so that said, I mean, I think you, I think you do it very well, and I think you you do it in Thanks. a way that is not a dude's yelling type of way. Yeah, that's always something I've kind of. The very first Bear Claw record, it was more yelling or very aggressive singing, let's yeah. say, uh, than the subsequent two records. But especially after that, with the other projects, um, I I've always been in a band where I've usually got another person that can do the kind of spoken word yelling kind of vocal style you know, just as good, if not better than when I used to do it. But the sing the big melodic stuff and all of that, that's a little harder to find sometimes. So I'm really trying to like work that in more and, uh, which is great. It was more challenging than just barking off some stuff. Right, yeah, it's easy just to there. bark out some nonsense. Certainly. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah. but I, I, I would, that's honestly, it's one, I mean, that's one of the first things that, you know, really kind of drew me to the Bear Claw stuff that it is it wasn't just a bun bunch of ho you know hollering, which especially when you're yeah. talking to a band that, for people that aren't familiar, it's drums, two basses, and it's it's loud and heavy, but like there is a there are hooks to it. There's there's melodicism to it, and and something where, uh, you know, having got to see that evolution because I mean I saw I got to see you guys play like pretty early on, uh, mm -hmm. was really quite fantastic because I think that that's a band that. Um, uh, you know, I, it's not that you guys didn't get out necessarily, but I think if you would be able to get out more, uh, even like I think it probably would have brought you even more uh, notoriety because it's just it's just you don't hear bands doing that. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I, I agree. I think um, our timing was a little. It's too bad we couldn't have been like eight 
years earlier. Right. Is he... Like mid, mid-90s. <laughs> well, you, you, mid-2000s. You guys had the replicator problem. Yeah, it's either a little bit too early yeah. or a little bit too late, right? Where it's, yeah, like, it's right. like, okay, well, <laughs> here we here yeah. we are. Uh, but I, that's also a band as much as I, I love Barracuda. I think that's a great band. I don't. I know almost nothing about Barracuda, like as far as like the origin and and, and what. Sure. So how how did Barracuda come together in the first place? Oh man, okay. I put on the uh, way back. We're getting yeah, the way back it, machine it, here. Like Dad says. Um, exactly. Yeah. But basically, Rich. Uh, so I, let me start with Rob, the um, non-singing bass player. I, Rob and I started playing when we were like twelve. Like we literally learned instruments together, and uh, so we had been in a whole bunch of projects that were you know not really anything serious but um it the most serious of those bands is that band i mentioned earlier hello operator and um that was like right around 2000 and one of the guitar players my friend pete uh amaro he ended up going overseas to italy to study uh art for uh, about a year if i remember right and when that happened uh rich and rob were also in that band with me uh our two members of bear claw and uh, we said, well, let's do something while Pete's gone. And Rich had been playing guitar in that band, Hill Operator. And he said, he's always said he's a bass player first. So he kind of came up with this idea of like, let's do something a little more noisy, a little more mathy. And he had this concept of using two bass guitars. And um, I know from a very early on point, Rich um, came up with the concept of, uh, he, plays, he plays a five string uh, music man. Um, which has a lot of connotations about it, but, <laughs> but, but um, Rich, Rich always yes. stuck with it. You know, I think you got that bass like in 92 or 93, something like that. Um, but uh, it was five string. And what he did for Bear Claw and what he's done, I should say, is um, he strings it high. So the lowest string is an E and then he adds the highest string from a six string pad on it. And that was the idea of getting more of those higher frequency chords that worked better than this kind of just double low end chug that yeah. you've heard some other, I've, when I've heard other bass bands do it. So yeah, that, that started up and um, we liked it and it felt more exciting and more uh, just natural than Hello Operator. So um, um, we just kind of ended up running with it and uh, that's how it all came together for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, uh, well, for, so first of all, yeah, the idea of it not being, immediately like super you know uh <laughs> lowest possible doomy uh and and kind of utilizing the higher register which a lot of bass players don't do anyway uh, that kind of set it apart as well and i think mm-hmm. that, that's that's something that was like immediately like oh interesting this is cool and i i think the like it, it worked pretty for me pretty much from the outset and it also served a function that I've noticed and talked about a lot, which is the fact that it stood out. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. Like in the, in the way that like, there's a lot of bands that, uh, I mean, I, I feel like now it's become a cottage industry, but there's a lot of like, you know, shellac junior, Jesus Lizard junior type bands. And, uh, it didn't sound like any of that. It sounded, it sounded pretty unique because of that. Like, and it, and it gave you guys a hook that it was like, Oh, what's this all about? This is interesting. And, uh, you know, it immediately caught the attention. So did you find that writing uh, writing songs with that band came fairly easy? Yeah, I, I think that that was one of the reasons why we ended Hello Operator and just put everything into Bear Claws, that it was very easy to write. It felt way more organic. Um, 
just the power trio is always a really fun formula. Yeah. Not having to worry about writing a second guitar part and all that stuff. Um, and uh, yeah, no, it just it it for me with the drums, it was kind of a extra. I was except I was especially into it because being able to key off of two different bases was extra fun for me personally. But uh, yeah, yeah, it just came together really, really organically. And, and um, yeah, it was, uh, I, I know when that first record came out, we had I've, more than once I heard people who didn't know the makeup of the band be like, yeah, I heard your record and I didn't know what was going on. It was like, something's weird here, but they didn't know that it was two bass players. <laughs> right. Right. And then they figured it out later and they're like, Oh, that is a bass, isn't it? And you know, that, that was, kind of what we were going for <laughs> that's awesome i mean anyway. yeah it's it's not it's not quote-unquote conventional right it's not it's not right. a conventional uh a conventional thing which i think is fantastic i mean that's that's a major positive attribute in, in my mind uh so yeah and that so that's the so talk so talk about the first record yeah talk about that first record that uh like when when that came together you know everything's still relatively fresh and new right at that point when you're doing that yeah um one thing i left out that's about the origin story which kind of relates to this first record um since we're already in the way back machine and all you know (laughs) yeah yeah uh so so rob and i left chicago to go to uh college we both went to southern illinois university carbondale and um rich followed us down there and so we wrote almost all of that record in probably six months six to eight months i'd say um down in carbondale and so once we got out of carbondale um we came back to chicago we were pretty much ready to record the minute we came back to Chicago. Um, so that was our, our goal. When we got back, we had kind of kicked around some ideas and, and what to do. And, um, you know, Rich and I both just started up working, or I say Rob and I just started up working post-college. And so we uh, scrolled away everything we could, and we ended up going to Electrical Audio and recording with uh, Steve Albini. And that was a big goal for us. And uh, it turned out as good as I could have imagined it. And so that, that was... Um, how that all came together and we're i still am really happy with the way that record sounds even coming up on 20 years later now um yeah so. yeah yeah it, it pulled up so that's you know it, it's you could do worse right yeah, <laughs> you yeah, could do a lot yeah. worse than to record the electrical audio with steve <laughs> yeah yeah that's true that's true uh and then so uh yeah and and so, so you got that going you know you're, you're playing out it's it's something where you're you're are you are you finding that overall the like the reaction to it is you know you're you're is positive um when you go to that second record right like what what are you what are you what are you looking to do with that one that's that's different from the first one like where are you guys at in a band now? and that's sure. like, what like 2007 uh yep uh, right around there. there yeah so um in, in terms of the reception of the first record, um, it, it was pretty, pretty solid, but in a small pond of way. Right. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Chicago, especially, we were starting to get a little bit of uh, attention, and uh, we luckily hit it off with Steve pretty well. So we played a show with Shellac in 2005 up in Milwaukee, actually, um, and um, that obviously helped a little bit too. People started hearing about the band. Um, but when we got ready to do the second record, I think that we wanted to try to do something a little more melodic in general, not just so mathy and heavy, even though the first record's not all like, you know, noise, heavy, mathy, but we, there was a lot more shouting on the first record. So 
when uh, Soul Speed Deep Owls came out, we tried to write stuff that was even a little more outside of our comfort zone and definitely a lot more melodic singing. And so you hear right. a lot more of, of that going on on that record. Yeah, that was the, that was the most notable thing for me, uh, probably at the time. And then, you know, of course, where, where I was at is I was there was just as there are now. Uh, most bands who are doing heavy were were more from from the what we call the dudes yelling camp. Uh, so, mm-hmm. so again, that that very much uh, stood out. Did you think that uh, from the standpoint of songwriting, did you feel like that the palette still had a lot to be utilized? Because I think some people are under the impression true or not that you know you just don't can't do that much with two bases and and i'm like really i don't i I don't feel that way personally but yeah we never really had that that feeling nothing ever felt really like uh nothing really like stagnated where we felt that we were running out of ideas for it um i think that with that second record we did maybe overcompensate a little bit with the amount of melodic attention that we paid to it. And mm. when the third, when the third record came out, I felt like we struck a really good balance because it was still, and let me go back. So I think the second record was good. We really enjoy it, but it, it felt like it lost a little bit of energy in certain points. Sure. And I think when we came out with the uh, um, refuse, this gift, it gift, was really yeah. the, that was like the perfect uh, blend of the two. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, that's, I Brushes, think, yeah. I, I think that's a, you, you guys hit your stride uh, for, on that one for sure. Uh, now, if I remember correctly, so you were abroad for a while, too. Yes, right? yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, that's when you have not necessarily like a super defined end date, you know, people have lives, things happen, bands bands can kind of can fade a little bit. Was it ever sort of in question of it being the future of Bear Claw uh, being kind of up in the air? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I would say no. Um, we knew it was going to be different than you know, getting together every week and practicing. But at the time, we had a lot of stuff queued up, ready to go. So first thing was I was living out of Frankfurt, Germany, um, and uh, it was a defined 18-month assignment. So we knew when I was coming back. That definitely that, helped. That helps, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, the other thing that really helped was um, we are, coincidentally had our second European tour scheduled and it started the second month i was there and so way to go german vacation mandates because i was like worked for three weeks and i said now i'll see you in a month and they're like, okay have fun <laughs> and uh yeah, yeah. Nobody, nobody bad an eyelash at it so yeah. what, not what, even by bad an eyelash they're yeah. like yeah okay that's cool i mean standard vacations three to four weeks so have fun i'm like <laughs> great so uh we uh so that really helped too we started off right away and uh, we did that tour with our good friends in Self Evident. So yeah, who are great. Uh, yeah, and I, uh, yeah. I, fantastic band. Nobody, people should pay more attention to Self Evident. They're a great band. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. Um, and yeah, that was. So we came off that tour. It was one of the funnest things I've ever done, honestly. And yeah. um, we came off that tour. We were super uh, hyped and ready to go. So we were trying to trading back song ideas, trying to keep it going a little bit while I was over there. And then uh, I'd come back, um, you know, every, I came back at least two, three times during that time. And we always would play a show, kind of keep it going. So did it slow down? Did it change? Yeah, but it still felt like it was moving. And there were some big milestones like that tour in the beginning. And then at the very end of it, like the last month I was there, 
um, we played all tomorrow's parties where shellac curated. So that was a huge. Yeah, that's a, that's you know, pretty fun. <laughs> yeah, that was probably the best show we played. So yeah, it's okay. So Turns out it's all right. Even, yeah. So I guess what I'm trying to say is that we, um, even though it slowed down like the week to week cadence, yeah, the overall like progression of the band felt like it actually picked up in some ways during that time. But, yeah, it just it was. Yeah. It seemed like it was more like almost calculated strikes to a certain degree rather than just like a sustained yeah. campaign. Just I don't know why I'm using war analogies, but sure, we'll we'll go with it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and it, it it struck me it struck me that it was very smart and very adult, too, in how you guys dealt with it, and the fact that you know, it probably helps that no you know nobody was, nobody had it as their like sole identity or anything along those lines. Mm-hmm. So that probably helps a lot. Like you know, if you're dealing with the expectations being <laughs> more, maybe a little more reasonable and realistic towards uh, you know adult concerns, I think that always helps. Yeah, it's actually interesting you bring that up because Rob and I in particular really always had a mindset that this was going to be the most serious hobby it possibly could be. We were also very much um, cautious of turning it into a job because we felt that if we turn it into a job, it, we might lose the fun, kind of carefree attitude of the band um, with respect to being able to write what we want to write and play when we want to play and tour when we want to and we don't. And uh, so that was always a big part of it was to try to, you know, very, very serious hobby, but not a job. And so that I think benefited us when we went into this uh, period when I was living over in Germany. Yep. Was, was Rich on the same page with that too? <laughs> Good question. <laughs> uh, kind of, kind of. Um, I would say he had a slightly different approach, um, but he understood where we were coming from. Right. Um, and, you know, he he, uh, he had some other endeavors that he started up in parallel. Um, yeah, he was, think, just, like, he was yeah, like sitting yeah. around, like staring at the staring at the clock. You know, he, was, right. he kept right. busy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But, Talented uh, dude, too. So why not? Yeah. 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 But, but yeah, so you, so you guys are able to kind of crazily keep momentum while also having a certain amount of distance. Uh, and again, mm-hmm. I think the idea of remote, uh, like demo swapping and, you know, sending tracks back and forth to each other, all that's really easy right now. Like, mm-hmm. but again, th- we're talking about this is over a decade ago. So, yeah, it was a little more difficult back in 2011. <laughs> uh, yeah, 2011. Um, you got to want to do it. That you got to put some effort into it for sure. Right. <laughs> was, the biggest thing is I didn't have a drum set there. So I couldn't really practice. So I, that's why I made sure I came back to Chicago, whatever it was, for Christmas or Thanksgiving or whatever. Um, I'd come back and we would kind of like do like a crash course, and for me too, just to get like you know knock the rust off and of not playing for four months in a row or something like that. But, right. Yeah. And so, are, are you like, do you compose parts in your head that like you're waiting to hit the drums for? Um, I wouldn't say. Yeah, general ideas, like how temples will move, things like that. We didn't, like, put parts together. It was more Rich would send riffs to me and say, hey, here's some new ideas. And I kind of had an idea of, like, what I might play with it. And then we um, we firmed it up and we got together. Now, to be clear, we didn't do a ton of writing, like, when I'd come back for these week or week and a half long trips. But we were still had stuff that we were starting to work on. So that when I got back at the end of the 18 months, then we could really hit the ground running pretty quickly. Right. And that's when Refuse This Gift started being put together. Yeah, so then going from like an, a nothing to everything, 
sort of model uh, for playing, does it does it all come together really quickly, or is it almost like there's too many ideas and we have to like scale scale things back because it's been so long uh, to to work on this stuff? Um, yeah, I would say there was a bit of that actually, where we didn't want to just develop every single idea that came out, um, and it uh, you know that 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 definitely played part of the the way that it evolved in that. You know, Refuse This Gift came out, there were a handful of ideas that kind of got put to the side. And then we actually, one of these days, want to record a fourth record, but I don't know when that's going to happen. It's been, how many years, what, what year is it? Oh, 12 years now? Yeah, I know. I, I, it seems like 12 so, years in the last week, my dude, yeah. <laughs> um, but there, we actually do have about four or five songs that are basically completed, um, with the exception of lyrics and you know, it, uh, it's something we want to try and get done at some point. But there were some of those that were moved aside, um, not necessarily forever. So we won't develop that. But yeah, they're kind of like you know. Well, there, there was that one song ideas. you put out, like <laughs> uh, oh god, it was, I guess it's a while ago because um, it was it was before uh, Fucko got elected. So that was like what 20, 2015 or something. You put that song out, and there's that demo they threw up right when yep. the, the COVID hit. Um, yep. No, it's a <laughs> look. Being being incredibly prolific is isn't like the correct way or the incorrect way. It's just a way. So the fact yep. that you, you know you you guys have the longevity going on and and you kind of are fairly methodical with it doesn't seem like it's it doesn't seem like a big deal that it's been twelve years since your last <laughs> it's your last record. No, you know what I mean, no, I. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and, and it's, uh, we just got together recently and, and played a show and uh, we had not, I hadn't even seen Rich and Rob in three and a half years, the longest I've ever not seen them because of COVID. And uh, it was really, um, I don't want to use the word surprise. It was surprising in a way, but it was also very uh, rewarding to practices and it felt like we didn't lose a step. Just snap right back in, right? Like just, yeah. Yeah. That, that, Except that we're all a little more winded when we get done playing <laughs> those songs now. Hey, but, hey man, uh, that's everybody. Like, yeah, <laughs> you know that yeah. that first that first one back. Wow, this is so great! Oh my god, I'm gonna die. Yeah. <laughs> I had a slight unfair advantage because I was practicing all the drum parts here in Denver right. at like five thousand feet. Oh sure. I go back yeah. to Chicago, and it's a surprising uh, change in amount of oxygen. Yeah, and so I was a little struggling here, and I got back. I'm like, oh, I can do this all day now. I got down it. It's like having an impressive gym routine on the moon or something, and then you come back and you're, yeah. you know, <laughs> you're like, hey, I have superpowers, low grade superpowers, but superpowers <laughs> nonetheless. <laughs> so, so let's, uh, you know, I, and I really, I, I do really like the Fuse's Gift record. I think that that that's probably my favorite of you guys' uh, so far. Uh, can you tell me like how that turns out, how that turned out, um, you know, see, it's like, you're like what, three years or so that you're like working on this and there's a lot of dynamics in that Mm -hmm. one. And I feel like it's something you weren't paying attention to like vocals stuff before, but I think that's like the best representation vocally. Yeah, I I agree a hundred percent. I think, like I said earlier, I think we struck a balance with the, intensity original formula of the band with also trying to move it in a direction that was more melodic a little more dynamic for sure um there's some sections of songs that are uh you know which would roll the volume off and it was clean which didn't really happen on the first record um you know a lot more attention to just 
the melodic singing parts were mixed a little higher. Um, and I think also that we did all three records with Steve. The first record, we just kind of like said, do your thing. <laughs> and yeah. um, it turned out good, but it we literally had almost, we didn't feel comfortable is the wrong word, but we just were like, do your thing. Second record, we were more comfortable with them. We made some suggestions, but we had moved into Studio A from B. Um, and it turned out good, but I feel like when we got to refuse this gift, like everybody, including Steve, knew exactly what to do for yeah. the sound of the band at that right. point. Um, and that really translated in the way that record turned out, especially from a sonic quality perspective. Th- that's a big advantage to working with the same person multiple times over, too. Like uh, the, you yeah. both kind of learn how each, how each other works to a certain degree. And you're able to kind of get different, uh, different positive aspects out of that because you're just like learning how to work together uh, as you go forward and progress as a band and as musicians. Mm-hmm. And as you more maybe more articulate a vision or the vision kind of shifts or something as the, as the band goes on. Yeah, I think that um, we got kind of technical with suggesting certain microphones and things like that. And Steve was always very open to trying anything. Um, but I think the other big thing that helped was uh, I think we had played at that point nine, nine shows with shellac or something like that. So Steve had seen us live a lot. So he knew what the band sounded like live yeah. and that's kind of his thing anyway. And so he knew exactly how to capture that at that point. Whereas the first record, we were just some random band yeah, that came some, in. He didn't know who we were. And yeah, some so. dudes grinding it out. I guess the drummer saying yeah. it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, not that that's like super rare or anything. I just think that that's you know it, it, when I'm thinking of dismissive ways to to have a first impression for that early bear claw stuff, right? No, I, yeah, for sure. And I mean, the amount of times I've gotten the whole Phil Collins thing live at shows, <laughs> really, yeah, it happens every single, t- not every single time. I'd say every other time. It's like it's like one of the only tour. singing drummers that people know, and it's it's. You know, it's like, yeah. you know, sometimes people, you know, I think there's an inherent sexism of not saying Karen Carpenter is uh, abhorrent, if you ask me. But mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. to me, it's like the ultimate singing drummer. But yeah, you get Phil Collins. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, Phil Collins. Fine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what's How do you land on that title, Unrefuse This Gift? Like, what, why was that the, the title? How did that come to pass? Oh, man, that's a really good. You know, I think that that came together because. If, uh, from what I remember, uh, Rich had an idea for the record title based upon some artwork that he liked. And, uh, yeah, okay, it's come back to me now. Um, so basically, he had this idea he wanted to, he wanted to um, use this painting. And unfortunately, Rob and I were not that much into it. So then when we picked up the new, we came to a compromise. And it was kind of a tongue-in-cheek thing where we refused this gift. Like, we're refusing the gift of this. He was given the art as a gift, if I remember right as well. And um, so it was kind of like a, kind of a joke. Kinda yeah, thing. yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, that, yeah, that, that's pretty much that way it came together, if I remember right. Yeah. yeah. So um, tongue in cheek title. Uh, well, <laughs> and it's funny because I, I, Sometimes I just kind of glom on to things. I, I, that one especially, I was like, I was like, that's a great album title. Like, I don't know, like where that came because you almost you your mind almost wants it to see return when there's gift. Mm-hmm. At least if you like Gang of Four, 
Uh, <laughs> yeah, <I see>. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> uh, but it's sort of like, oh, cool. Like it, it, it's a, uh, it's an interesting, like it's a nice. Um, Onom- is it onomatopoeia? Kind of. Uh, the, the the way the words fit together is very nice, and it's it struck, mm. struck me. And then also, I think around that time was that when you guys dropped the um, the, the promo pick with you being chased by the base cabs. That actually is really old. We did that around the time the first one came. Is, out. is that um, go back all the way? One of my favorite. All promo the picks way of all back time. to like two thousand four. I think we did that. Yeah, yeah. When when was the? Oh God, do you remember when was there was the. <laughs> the thing you uh, the brick wall promo photos like everybody like having like the pro- yeah. What? yeah well that seems like a hundred thousand years ago at this point but that was like a thing where it's like hey check out this promo photo oh train track yep. so cool you know yep, yep. And <laughs> what i love about that is that there is actually a, a, a train if i remember correctly but there is yeah <laughs> but rather than being like dudes standing around like trying to look hard by the train tracks it's like no you're literally being chased by two like fridges right like the the big base camps. yeah yeah we, uh, we i've always pushed hard to have a bit of a uh make it, i don't know make uh, just being kind of goofy and, and yeah. funny with it a little bit and uh rich would usually fight me a little bit that, but he he would be bought in for that one and then um, there's like well, the drumstick photo i don't know if you use it for official promo photo but i remember where it's like yeah. uh, it's almost like um <laughs> it's almost like a kung fu move or something i don't know like yeah how to describe it this is gonna be great for the podcast listeners like what is he oh, talking yeah. about <laughs> conan neutron gesticulates wildly uh yeah but it's it, and i guess where i'm going with that is isn't to be like hey do you remember those things you did yeah that was cool so much as to say that i feel like the presentation of the band kind of leaned into making it enjoyable for the unorthodoxness of it mm-hmm. like you kind of made that a, a selling point might be a, <laughs> over overselling it but you you made that a part yeah. of the character of the band and i thought we thought that was very interesting no, i agree and thanks yeah that's um we try to do it a little different in yeah. terms of standard approach <laughs> so there's and so you've played bear claw stuff recently is there any more stuff uh on the horizon for for bear claw right now we don't have anything planned yet, um, but I actually have, when I was back about a month ago, uh, mentioned to Rich and Rob again about, hey, let's try to maybe develop these four or five songs, and I think they're down to do that. Um, otherwise, you know, we'll definitely keep a one or two time of year show approach. Um, and uh, we actually were booked on the um, No Coast Fest last year when a bunch of things start falling apart because of covid that's right that was going to be our big our big uh re-entry into the wild or whatever you want to call yeah. it but uh so m- maybe eventually we're not we're not doing it this year but maybe next year or something like that we'd look to do that as well um rob actually just had a uh, a kid so he's um a little busy at the moment but i think yeah be, yeah he, he definitely wants to try to um keep playing and especially with how much fun we had recently getting together and playing the barbecue it was uh Felt like old times, so I think, yeah. we'll, I think we'll try and fire it back up. Why not? Why not? Yeah. Uh, where? How did Rented Rooms come together? So that one just kind of came together because uh, Rich started playing with Chris Metcalf of the Life and Times, and, um, you know, they were jamming for a really long time, like two years, and they had tried a couple bass players out didn't really work and rich was kind of thinking of doing it as a two piece and then 
um, it just, I think it was probably the bear call practice actually. And um, <laughs> we're just talking about he was it, yeah. complaining. Yeah. He was complaining about, uh, cause everybody practiced in the same space and he was complaining about not being able to find a bass player. And I'm like, well, you know, I know what I'm doing a little bit with that. Um, you know, what, what do you think? He's like, sure. If you want to just, it, it's just like no pressure. And uh, you know, it, for me personally, it was really, really fun because I got to just riff off of Chris Metcalf, yeah. which is He's an amazing drummer, and it was really fun Very putting creative. those bass lines together with him because it really was two drummers kind of almost like double drumming but with bass and drums. And so it was really, really fun to to have that project going and gave me a chance to really hone some of my bass playing skills, and so that was also an added benefit of getting into it. So, Yeah, Becca joined of uh, Burned or Buried and Quattrotet uh, is the one who told me about you guys and, and – it was, it was actually, to, to her credit, attribution, she was the one like, yeah, they should have just called this band Drummer. <laughs> Which I thought <laughs> I think was I remember saying that. Yeah. deeply hilarious. And it was like, oh, that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's true. Cause, yeah, because Rich has drummed a little bit too, so yeah. But... Well, and the rhythmic sensibility to it was, uh, the, the, the there's a lot of science being dropped uh, in, in that band. And it hit differently than, I think, any of the other bands that any of you guys had been into, uh, or that you had been in, not maybe not into, uh, and it, it made for, it's pretty exciting and, and different. And it was something that uh, very much took me by surprise and pleasantly. And like also like, you know, with you, it's like, ah, this guy can play bass too? Damn it. <laughs> how dare you? First of all, how dare you? Uh, uh, well, it's probably the easiest of the string to no, um, it, It's, But, you know, I feel it like is, it's just it one Again, having originally worn guitar, um, it was a variation of drums, kind of going back to my guitar playing days. And I actually found it a lot more fun to try and get back into playing a melody-driven instrument, but having it be a bass rather than a guitar. I can still play guitar, but and you know, I'm not I'm, I'm a mediocre guitar player at best. And uh, the bass, I felt like I was able to put a little more uh develop my skills a little bit and it was really rewarding to kind of try to step outside my comfort zone with drums so yeah yeah and it seems you know those those songs are it seems like parts of it you know got kind of complicated but not overtly complicated so it's that's a Mm -hmm. if you're trying to build your skills on an instrument right it's going to push you to to try different stuff and uh, do different things did you find anything uh, i mean and obviously chris is a fantastic drummer did you did you find anything with his playing that were was sort of like a oh interesting like sort of mental note oh yeah that's a good question um well, every time I see Chris play, it always amazes me that such a small guy can hit the drums so hard. It is just, Word. I've never seen that that <laughs> ratio ever. I mean, I probably weigh twice or two and a half times what Chris weighs, and he hits the drums harder than I do. And yeah. uh, and, and um, so that was the first takeaway watching him play. Um, a lot of his hi-hat work is very mm-hmm. interesting. Um yeah. So I, I pay attention to that a little bit. And um, I don't know. It was kind of an interesting thing because, like, sometimes him and I really would get going where I'd be, like, suggesting specific drum aspects to build in. But then he'd also, because he plays guitar as well, and he's like, oh, well, what about if you do this on the bass? So we were, like, suggesting parts for the other instruments that we weren't playing. 
And um, right. that was an interesting dynamic too. So it was, yeah, but just mainly just his um, ability to throw in like the real fast kind of fill or, or accent that, um, you know, and, and in spots I typically wouldn't think to. So it was just, it was just fun to watch him play, to be honest. I was just kind of happy to be there doing, doing my bass thing, watching him, yeah. watch him do his thing. <laughs> so, well, it definitely seemed like there were, there were, was some writing cross pollination for sure, but it, it came across as a very, uh, very tight entity early on. I think just because of, you know, if nothing else, you enrich different instrument, but you have that almost telepathy that happens when you play with someone for mm-hmm. a very long time. And then as you mentioned, Rich and Chris had played together for a long time too. So, uh, you almost get like a cheat code as a band when you, <laughs> when you have that affinity yeah. <laughs> with someone, I. Uh, how, so and that's so I I know the the seven inch the the pacemaker version of prey is is that the yeah. only recorded output from rented rooms? It is, um, which I've been hoping we can change that at some point, or at least Chris and Rich will will move on. We we, we did record some other songs in that session. Mm-hmm. Um, they weren't finished, um, but there there's enough to do a whole record. There's at least thirty five minutes. Um, of music so it'd be nice to try to finish it but uh, that's kind of that's kind of rich's project rich's baby so i don't know exactly what he's got in mind for it but uh yeah. i told him if uh they get to a point where they're ready to record um at this point i'll have to rewarn the bass parts but i'd be happy to join them up and then finish recording those songs so yeah i mean look i'll, I'll buy it <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i love that band it's great Give Rich a give Rich an email. And, yeah, right. and hey man, how you doing? What's good with rented rooms? <laughs> yeah. Sign Kona Neutron. Yeah, <laughs> I've sent I've sent weirder emails. <laughs> uh, so and that, so around the time that came out, if I remember correctly, that's when you put together the All Tomorrow's Impeachment sh- shows. Yep, which yep. were fantastic, by the way. That that was a Thank you. that was a real cool. I went to the first of the two and that, mm-hmm. that was one of my first event one of my one of my first events upon moving to the midwest was all tomorrow's impeachments and then the um the amrep bash and it was the Ooh, same weekend nice. and i managed to pull off going That's to both right. of them which was pretty impressive wow. thank you very much That's conan awesome. neutron is patting himself <laughs> on the back for that uh that's a great example of A communitarian effort, but also a unique vision as well. And having played all tomorrow's parties, you know, obviously it's it's a it's a play off of at least if not the festival, then the the song name, right? Uh, politically, sure. there was a lot going on at the time. Do you want to expand upon like how you originally had the idea and how it came to pass? Yeah, honestly, it was pretty straightforward. Uh, Trump won, and I was really pissed <laughs> so i uh i uh decided that um i was gonna try and put something together um and uh came up with that that name um just because i thought it was a good plan you know all tomorrow's uh, parties and uh so then i started uh writing to some bands and it started to kind of pick up steam because all these other bands were also feeling the same way wanted to do something wanted to right. raise money and uh to help protect uh, some of the things that we felt were going to be under threat. And so I think I started with shellac and um, Bob and Steve were immediately like, we're in, you know, just let us know the date. Um, 
And then um, after that, it kind of became this thing of uh, trying to get some bands that hadn't played in a while. And so um, they, they were still active, but at that point, Poster Showed had been not playing a real lot. And so we got Poster Showed in the join. And then the big one was getting uh, Tar to kind of come out of retirement. Yeah. And 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 they and they played. Um, and there was also a few others. Uh, Dianoga wasn't playing a lot um, at that point either. They joined us, um, which is always a treat to have the two great band, two two bass bands from Chicago. I was gonna say two bass solidarity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you got to stick so together, was, man. <laughs> yeah. And um, then there was just so much interest in it that we ended up doing two nights, and yeah, it ended up being great. The only setback I felt bad for him, but Steve got doored in Chicago riding his bike, so. He broke his arm and Shellac couldn't play, but uh, Poison Arrows stepped in, um, and they they uh, they covered, and it was great to have them. And uh, you know, we ended up making about twenty thousand dollars and gave yeah. it to a uh, the Southern Poverty Law Center and ACLU, and just kind of split it up half and half, and that was great. It was you know, it felt like we really did something that you know moved the needle at least a little bit. No, so, it, um, and especially at the time, I think people needed to. To feel like they were building towards something and not mm-hmm. just grinding on, like, you know, the news of the day <laughs> necessarily. Right. So, I, and, and, uh, I, I thought the, and of course, so, so for me, from my perspective, I was there for the whole bill, right? I, I was like, I, you know, I love Nonagon, I love Lardo and Bearclaw just as much as I love, like, Dianoga and Shellac and, and Tar and Poster Children. But I love that the, the idea, the random order thing was was a bold, was a bold move. Yep. <laughs> I'm trying to remember who came up with. That. I want to say, I think that yeah, that was uh, Bob and Steve. I'm pretty sure. Which was funny because then he got doored and then they couldn't. And they couldn't <laughs> do it exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they they were pushing for that, and um, I said, okay, well, let's try it. Um, I get it. Um, and it worked out. It worked out. People stuck around. Um, and, uh, you know, there were a few, uh, I remember right bottom lounge allowed people to return or cancel their tickets when shellac had to drop, but we had very, very few of those. Um, and so it's still ended up being real Which is always like, when, what's a benefit? It's like, yeah, for real, dude, really? Yeah. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But I also, I, I like the subversion of the paradigm where, oh, I'm here to see the quote unquote headliner and the headliner plays last and this and that. You know, I'm, I'm like I'm thinking of the fact that um, you know I think for for Jello's birthday party in San Francisco, I don't remember what year it was, his thousandth year birthday party. Who knows? Uh, like Melvin's played first, right? And like Akimbo played like <laughs> after them, which which deeply hilarious. And of course, it confused some people because they just assumed that okay, well, we're going to see the famous band last, right? And this and that. And they got. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, why don't you just show up for the whole thing and then you won't have to worry about these problems. Uh, yeah, agreed, agreed. And it also was something it was, where it's, it's it's you know, it, it's unexpected. It's an unexpected yeah. thing to do, <laughs> which is good. Sure. And I, I, I'm, I'm always, I think that that was, uh, and especially for something where that was like a communitarian effort. Right. It, it wasn't like, hey, if we if we sell this amount of tickets, the president goes away. No, that doesn't that isn't yeah. what it was. But like, again, it was it was building towards a a, a literal charitable cause, like raising money for a good mm-hmm. for a good cause. 
And the idea there shouldn't be that, oh, I want to see band X. It yep. should be that, like, you're there for the thing. And I thought that was handled very well. Yeah, thanks. I, I remember when that was suggested, I kind of did a, like, a, oh, that's interesting. And then when I thought about it more, I said, you know, it actually makes a lot of sense for this. Yeah. You know, you're coming for the whole event. You're not just coming to see one band. Let's randomize it and nobody knows what time they're going to start. <laughs> so yeah, it's it it fun. You can activate everyone's imposter complex and uh, where you go. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I, I thought that was, uh, you know, there's a lot of, of things that get thrown, uh, some of which have a you know charitable aspect to them, some of them, some of them don't. But I thought that was very well organized and put together, and it seemed to happen pretty quickly from the outside. So I mean, yeah, uh, yeah, it came together real organically. I mean, um, uh, I think Bottom Lounge was one of the first venues I contacted, and uh, they they were into it 100. percent Nice. So um. And that was everything. They donated everything. Like the only thing I think we had to cover was sound guy costs, but there was no other costs that they took. That's awesome. Which, you know, they typically take a cut and they're like, no, it's our donation as well. So right. that was really That's... cool of them to do. It's nice to see. And, and yeah, for, for a lot of folks, that area, that era of time, especially, you know, 2017, like there was no, no balance of power whatsoever too. It just, mm. it, pretty dire for a lot of us yeah. so it was nice to you know have something to positive to focus on for that so kudos for that thank uh, you thanks so let's let's talk about your new record man let's let's talk let's talk yeah. about uh almanac man so this is a uh ghost is clear did it right this is a, a yep. Bo yep bobby the legendary bobby is uh yep who actually um has a uh lot of good bands on his on on his roster and seems like he's doing very good work out there for sure clear. and uh for sure he's quite the character and i mean that as a compliment <laughs> <laughs> uh so you put this together when did you record this we recorded it in july of 2021 um and it didn't come out until much later. Um, it followed a totally different process than I've ever done before. Um, pretty much everything I've done has been in a somewhat live setting mm -hmm. where yeah. everything's tracked for the most part at once. Um, you know, some overdubs here and there, especially doing the analog route at electrical audio with the, with bear claw. But what we did with this one was we went in the studio and we didn't even have half the lyrics written yet it was really just, wow okay. you know, yeah it was still just music except for half of them and so um that was one big change um but the other big change was it was a very small studio in denver um uh called the uh, green door recording studios uh and uh felipe who owns and runs the studio used to uh work up in blasting room out of fort collins um so we went in it was basically a converted two-car separated garage really well done um the conversion and and, and, the, and the setup but i i'll be completely honest i had fairly low expectations to be honest <laughs> and so we went in and um sure. they everything was done with uh you know uh direct input other than the drums at first and then we oh, recorded okay, all gotcha. the drums <laughs> completely separate and then went back and added the bass 
and then went back and added the guitar over, I think it was two and a half days or something like that. Right. And um, it turned out extremely well. I never expected it to sound so cohesive and Yeah, it doesn't sound like live. That, that, that it's, and, yeah. um <laughs> And then the vocals were really strange because we recorded all, we tracked all of them in my house in the, in the practice room. Oh, really? So, wow. Okay. Yep. Does not sound like so, it. Yeah. Um, I think everything was recorded with the exact same mic you're using right there, if I remember right. But uh, the RE20. So we sent all that over. Very to, versatile. Uh, Felipe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we sent all that over uh, to Felipe. And I never even like showed up again. I just sent him the raw wave files and said, here they are. And I gave him a reference uh, with an MP3. And um, he did his thing. And um, I just had never done a record like that. And the ability to write the lyrics after everything was recorded and like really spend time trying different ideas um, and, you know, doing it in very small chunks, like one song a night voice got a little tired from that one song. It stopped. I'll come back two days later, do the next song. And it took about four months of just finishing all the vocals in a very, very slow way. And then sent it off to him and that's how it came together. So it was a really, really really different process for me and yeah. uh i was really surprised how well it turned out to be honest did you find did you find any difficulty with sort of keeping yourself honest as far as what was and wasn't the best performance like uh, doing it that way well um i mean the drums were still done in a way where um we had to i had to i had to pretty much nail the part obviously uh, yeah you can't <laughs> Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to know. punch drums. Not impossible, um, but it's yeah, hard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, the guitar. I mean, we purposely put ourselves on a a clock, so to speak, with the guitar and bass because we didn't want to turn it into overdub nightmare scenario. So it was like, okay, we're gonna get this Steely done Dan. in two days. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so that was done. Even though it was done separate, it was more or less because the studio was one really nice live room mm-hmm. that would have been too much to get all the different you know, guitar, bass, and drums all live in that one room. So that was pretty organic, even though it was separate. The vocals, um, we just committed to not going totally crazy with overdubs and tracks and stuff like that. But um, it was, for me, a different experience because typically, you know, we were on a 16-track, two-inch reel-to-reel with Bear Claws. We had two vocal tracks left. That's it, you know. So unless you want to (laughs) start bouncing and stuff. And so, the, but I mean, I did do some stuff on the Almanac Man record, and Brian did too, or we did do several takes. Um, there's sometimes, you know, three parts together um, of myself and maybe two with Brian, things like that. So we definitely experimented a little more. But I think the result was it came out, it still sounds pretty organic. It doesn't sound super processed or anything like that. But, uh, well, definitely. Yeah, it was a very I mean, different way of doing it. When, when you mentioned that you recorded that way, that actually is very surprising me because it doesn't have that feel at all. And like, some, there's some records that do. Yeah, yeah. And that's no, that, I, that's best left there. And I don't, we, nobody needs to pick that up. That's fine. Some records do. <laughs> uh, and you, so you have the. It, well, and I want to go through everything. Uh, like I said, we, I want to do a song by song on for, on for your cause, but I I do want to mention. Um, the the cop uh the the cold this cold bone song that's uh that yep. came out uh, earlier that's uh what what was the the origin of that that was the first song that we pretty much wrote and it was actually at one point going to be 
and I have to defer to Brian a little bit on this, but if I remember right, at one point it was going to be a Larian song that never actually turned into anything, and it was only like halfway completed. Yeah. But um, we honestly were just so ready to put something out at that point. <laughs> I'm that sure. We yeah. Said, we said it was like two years into the band. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and uh, that was the one that we had down the best um and uh we just said let's do that and we'll put that on the comp and yeah. um it, it uh we recorded it all in the same spot we practiced and, and did it all ourselves but it was a just kind of a first let's get something out there so people can hear what almanac man is because there was literally nothing before that so yeah well i mean you know there's a lot of bands out there and then when you're starting up a, a new thing and like half of it is just letting people know that you exist practically right or mm -hmm. maybe not half but maybe more than that at this point um but you know it, it occurred to me that was a very uh you know the, the, again i heard about it without knowing who any of the players were at mm. all and then i was like oh it's it's scott and brian's new thing they're in a band together oh neat like like it but i had already listened to it at that point it's like oh, yeah, this band's good right on cool <laughs> Which, cool. which is good. I mean, for for me, the the it it be not a friend rock situation is absolutely a, a positive attribute. You know. Well, for sure, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you, okay. So then let's. All right, so you're down for doing a going through song by song on, on for your cause. Sure, <clears throat> sure. So the idea with this is we just go through each of the songs. You can uh, tell me anything that comes to mind whether it's you know arrangement writing uh you know lyrics vocals uh recording process story behind like the sure. title whatever strikes your fancy uh and then sure. then we can uh, go on so uh, it starts off with god riff yep so I, I took the liberty of checking some of this with brian because some of these songs are more his lyrics coming from his right exactly yeah. you don't want to misrepresent um, it sure <laughs> but i can tell you that uh the reason it's named that is that was one of those, uh, you know, you come up with a pet name for a song where you actually name it. Mm -hmm. And we actually uh, just went with the pet name for, for sure. So that was named God riff as a pet name. Um, and it was just that opening riff is something that um, I know Brian feels it's probably the best. I think his words, not mine. He says it's one of the best riffs he's ever written, maybe the best. Um, and so, you know, um, I know the lyrics are mostly about, um, he said it's, you know, about never being able to convince someone of the way that you view something is, you know, like being able to, you know, explain your perspective and they get it. Um, but in terms of the way it was put together, um, you know, Brian and I had kind of worked that one out, mostly guitar drums. And that was right around the time, if memory serves, that Nick came into the band. And so that was kind of a steep one for him to learn uh, and write yeah. uh, all his bass parts on because it kind of jumps around a lot. As well. I was going to say, that's some deep into the shifts. pool business. You just throw yeah. that in, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, luckily, you had the previous experience of playing with Brian and Larian. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah and um, the way we've always kind of done it is, um, again, the way I always write lyrics when playing drums, I always have the drum part completely almost committed to memory, muscle memory. Then I sit down and try to write lyrics and then I try to uh, put them together, which sometimes goes very smooth and other times goes not very smooth. Um, but uh, that one took a little bit of a little longer to get the drumming and singing down live. Um, but uh, yeah, just that, that just was kind of a kind of a banger that we were able to get done 
relatively quickly, except for the the vocals. So yeah, it's a pretty audacious opener. Like it's a it's a bold yeah. open. <laughs> it's, it's a statement of intent. Yeah, yeah, and I think we all that was just like understood. Like everybody's like, yeah, it's got to be the first song. It just has that that vibe to it. So yeah. You know, there's there's a few ways to go with that. I think that's 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 definitely a tried and true method of, okay, let's bang hard and show them what we got here. <laughs> right, 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 right. right. Uh, Kings and Queens. So that one was actually uh, kind of originated with Nick, um, and um, that's why it's got a lot more of like a bass feel when it first opens up. Um, that actually was other than. Uh, um, uh, I forgot the name of it now. <laughs> the one on the, the very first song we were talking about on the on the EP. Uh, the uh, anyway, this was the first song I learned where they hadn't ever like actually put something together before. Um, gotcha. So I was writing the drum part from scratch. I hadn't heard any earlier demos or anything like that. Um, so you know that one kind of took a little longer just because I was feeling out still how the band was going to come together. Um, but uh, you know, it's it's a good mix, I think, of moods. It has you know, kind of a back and forth bass and drum kind of trading off, and then there's a big melodic section in the middle. And that was like the first time that me and Brian kind of sat down and talked about how we were going to structure lyrics with uh, kind of having a two-headed monster of sorts, um, because um, that's always a kind of touchy thing in my experience when you have two singers that are both singing lead. Who's going to take what riff? Who's going to take Another riff, Are you going to you know, go for the same spot and try to do something? And you know. Right. <laughs> so we kind of used that song to work through that. And uh, it actually was pretty smooth, um, which I think boded well for the later stuff in the band where, you know, we just, it's been pretty organic the way we've been able to like write two vocal parts and not really step on each other's toes too much. Yeah. It seems, it seems very symbiotic that way. Uh, yeah. Thoughtful. Right, which mm-hmm. <laughs> one would hope people would think about it, but then some bands you gotta wonder. <laughs> uh, see through Twilight. That one um, was kind of the that was, I, I don't know if it was intentional, but it, it's probably the one of the more melodic songs on the record. Mm-hmm. And uh, Brian definitely did the heavy lifting in terms of the direction of the lyrics. It's basically about. Uh, dementia and uh i know that there were some people in his family that were suffering from it. my grandmother was suffering from it so i had a lot of uh material for that concept and he did as well so that was a really easy vocal song i think for both of us we had plenty of material and luckily we didn't really you know there's certain parts of the song where big melodic singing or a more melodic part is just kind of yeah, we were like, yeah, definitely something melodic there. I'll usually take that. And the more heavier, more, you know, mathy parts that maybe need a little more of a spoken word, yelly kind of thing, um, Brian kind of takes. So that, that song kind of came together really naturally in that respect, and by the way it's structured. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I remember when I was writing the drum part, the one thing was coming up with the – the Tom rhythm in the beginning. Oh Tried yeah. To play it really uh, like a part that wasn't just rhythmic. It actually has like a tonal kind of quality to it. It does have a, like, like a, like a, it's like a hook almost. Yeah. Right? You know, so, yeah. which I, <laughs> drums can be hooks. I, I shouldn't sound so surprised about that, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
<clears throat> no, it fits together very nicely, and that's uh, that's a tough topic, man. But it's uh, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. fits together very nicely. Thanks. Okay, Inco Habitant. So that is all Brian, um, and I know that that concept of that song is something that we're experiencing just about everywhere right now in the U.S., but especially in Denver, um, the con- you know gentrification, rising prices, pricing everybody out of their ability to live in neighborhoods they maybe have lived for a very long time. Um, so he he went with that and, and wrote all those lyrics on, on that topic. Uh, the writing of that's definitely the Mafia song. Um, and we kind of, it started coming together really, we, we could tell right away, this is going to be a really jerky kind of mathy song. So we just kind of decided to kind of go for it and not even try to, um, you know, come up with something like a melodic balance or a straightforward part to kind of yeah. calm down. We're like, let's just, let's just go crazy on this one. So just bear um, down and do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, there's some parts in there. I, 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 some parts remind me personally of like some Don Cab stuff and some other stuff like that, but yeah. it's, uh, it is kind of a unique one on the record in my mind. It, it sticks out a little bit, but I, um, I actually think it works in the, context of the larger record and that's a big thing i think is we don't want obviously every band has a formula but i think we're pretty on much on the same page and there's a little bit of an attention to hey let's not make every song be 100 percent in line with the formula let's right. push the boundaries a little bit so yeah. it actually varies from song to song so well and very very much so and, and this this one definitely this one feels very nice, nice in the middle, right? Like, and it, yeah. it <laughs> like I think if if you started off with this one, people would expect this to be a completely different band, almost. Yeah, yeah, that's you know, and that's that's people's perceptions, but that's also the world we live in. You know, it's one of the it's, yeah, and it's it's interesting to see how that's changed with people making records, where what made a great first song in the '90s isn't necessarily always going to be the case now. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, that one de- that one definitely brings the uh, the, the the prog, uh, for lack of a better term, but mm-hmm. yeah, in yeah. a good way. Uh, Small faith. So small faith was the one that um, I think we took the most. I think Brian said, "Let's just go for it," especially vocally. There's a lot of. So let me back up. Um, that song was done instrumentally. We recorded it instrumentally in the studio. We literally had zero vocal parts when we recorded it. We didn't have any phrasing, nothing, just the song, the, the music. Um, and I mean, it was there was an attention to make it heavier and slower and melodic. So we knew that a lot of the vocal parts would be more, you know, in my area of the of, of what I typically do in Almanac Man with big melodic parts. And so there's a lot of that going on in the song, but it was one of those that we tried a ton of ideas in the basement here before we committed to any kind of actual concept. And um, I've never done a four track part before, but hmm. I decided to just go for it. It's like the whole opening and ending for the sequences with the vocals. There's actually four tracks of me on that. And some are yelling, some are singing and there was a harmony. Um, so obviously live, I have to dumb it down a little bit, but um, we <laughs> yeah, kind of just went... say either that or uh, yeah. hire some backup singers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but I'll say this: I tried to make it so that 
if you dropped everything away and went back with the main riff, it wasn't going to sound totally empty. It was more accenting the primary melody rather than like four very distinct parts you would never be able to replicate live. So, right. Um, but the big challenge with that one was we, we recorded it did all the parts here. And then Brian and I looked at each other. We're like, how the hell are we going to sing and play this? Song? Because we, had, <laughs> we had never tried. We had literally never tried to do it. Right. And, and um, it was on the record. So we're like, uh, okay, we have to, to figure out a cover or how, something. how to so, land the plane on that one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and it did, I'll be honest, it did not go that smooth. The first, it took, that one took a while to put together, but right. we got it. We got it put together now. And it's actually one of my personal favorites to play. Yeah. It just uh, it's good has a lot of tempo changes and the singing is um, challenging, especially live, <laughs> but in a good way. Well, but it's, you know, you don't, you don't want to have it, be only the low hanging fruit too, right? Like right. You want to challenge right. yourself a little bit and, and uh, see what you can and can't do. And there, you know, not that there's any shame to if you like write a song to like, okay, that's just going to be a song that's on the record because this doesn't work. Because sometimes you can do it, put all the work into it, and it's like, why didn't anyone react to that the way we thought they would? <laughs> <laughs> and, and then there's the other the other thing where you're like, ah, oh, this one's fine, and like people and people like just like lose their minds, and you're like, that's the one, really? Okay, yeah. Huh? Uh, I hear what you're saying. <laughs> uh, you know, which which there's that's just the fun of you know, finding out what it's like live, like the pleasure of finding things out, right? You know, safe mm-hmm. like Anyway, whatever. Uh, good tune though. Uh, so then that takes us to Gloom Moon. Yep, yep. Uh, that one we it was it was written pretty close to when we knew we were going into the studio, um, and we knew we wanted to finish it. But I remember finishing that one up only like a week or two before we actually went in to the studio. So it was, it was still a really new song for us. Um, I think the big difference on that one is that it just opens up slow and sparse. Very deliberate. There's not a lot of that on the record. And um, it's kind of a very like sectioned song, but intentionally. So you have like your whole opening section, then it moves into this kind of more upbeat kind of driving riff and, um, when I put the lyrics together for that one, I tried doing some really like different harmonies on the latter part of the song. And it's kind of something that I think works, but it's almost kind of like a sour harmony at points. And, uh, it's, it's, I remember that was another one. I had the Liberty of trying a bunch of stuff cause we hadn't had any lyrics put together when we actually recorded the, the music for it. So. Uh, ran it by Brian. I'm like, you know, I'm, I think this works. What do you think? And he, he was into it, so we ended up going with it. But uh, that kind of sour off harmony or, or yeah. atypical harmony was definitely a unique aspect of that one for me. Do you Are you coming at that from like a music theory place or is it just more like, hey, how does this sound kind of vibe? I just – that one I just um, – I tried like a more traditional harmony mm. and it just sounded too – happy and, and for lack of <laughs> right, yeah, word. yeah 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 no i get it so yeah. then i tried something really just weird and and at first i'm like ah, it's not gonna work and i listened back to it and i'm like wait a minute and so i did a couple more takes and it just i i had never personally put two lines together like that where they almost kind of like it's there's a little bit of dissonance to it i guess there is it. yeah yeah it's um it's it's not uh it's not happy sounding. As a, right. As a and that, that's what I was going for. <laughs> was trying to find something that 
would fit the mood of that part of the song. Sure. But, you know, when you think of harmonies, they're not normally dissonant. You know, they're usually very complimentary. Um, so that was kind of a, you know, new new ground for me. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's one of my favorite ones to play live, too. It just, you know, it starts off kind of, and it just drops in, and it's a real driving riff. And usually the crowd reacts pretty positively to that. So yeah, it's, it's a good one. It's a good one. Seems like a good uh, good place for it as, a, as the closer, too. Was that ever, like, yeah. a question or anything? Uh, no, but I think Brian put that together and Nick and I looked at it. We're like, yeah, it only makes sense um, to have the record in that. I mean, the, especially. The, oh, did it, did, oh, you're all right. Everything. Okay. There we go. Looks like I hung up for a second. Okay. Yeah. I'm good. I'm yep, good. Yep, I'm back. Yep. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, I was going to say, watch out the FBI, man. <laughs> uh yeah yeah so so the yeah so then yeah it seemed good good closer good good way to close the record out thank you thanks yeah i was never really down on the opener and the closer with the order on that one so what uh did you what's what's up with the album art what did, did that come early on in the process did you already have it sorted out beforehand or uh, Brian basically had that sorted out. He had an artist that he uh, had in mind um, and uh, uh, gave him a little bit of direction, but not too much. And we saw the the early, uh, you know, early draft of it. And we all said, oh, that's really cool. And so told him to run with it. And it, it worked out awesome. It was, uh, you know, it, I like it personally and it kind of stands out a little bit. Yeah. And it makes for a cool scheme. The the t shirts are kind of a cool derivation too. Like it's cool yep. looking. It's strike it's yep. like, oh what's that? What is that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which is which is what you want instead of like, oh that. You know, you don't want that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I hear you. Uh so we don't want to have a situation where we're making a another title where we're rejecting ideas and naming the whole record after that. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Although it worked out okay for that one, but anyway. it did. It did work out okay for that one. Uh, so yeah, and, and for folks that are new to the band, uh, almanacman.bandcamp.com, uh, theghostisclearrecords.com, you can get the uh, vinyl and uh, CD there through uh, uh, th- through the, through the world of Bobby, and uh, he's got a lot mm-hmm. of he's got a lot of great. There's there's a whole bunch. I mean, that, that guy's doing the Lord's work for weird music out there. For sure. Yeah, yeah. Says the atheist. Brian. <laughs> yeah, Brian's also pretty heavily involved in that label, so I know. Um, I know Bobby's the the mastermind. Yeah, you know what? Speak, yeah, but, you uh, know what? Good point. I'm like giving Bobby all the credit. Like props to Brian as well. It, it is a partnership, and I. He, <laughs> yes, yes. Credit where credit is due. Uh, great label. Uh, syner- synergy, symbiosis, all the s words. Uh, only the good yep. ones though. Uh, yeah. So. How do you like Denver? Yeah, you think that's a good place to operate out of for for doing this kind of stuff? Yeah, you know, it's um Denver's a unique city and especially musically because it's a bit of an island in that if you're going cross country unless you're going to do a 16-hour non-stop drive and you're going across, you're going to stop in Denver because it's it's 8 hours in every direction to any other kind of city to play basically. So what I mean by that is we get a lot of touring bands coming through and having lived in Chicago for almost 20 years, um, 
I get to see all these shows happen that are at relatively small venues that are, you know, they're well attended for the venue, but they're not, you know, right. they're not playing a 4,000 capacity club in Denver. They're playing a, you know, I, I saw like a failure swerve driver <laughs> playing together and I expected there to be, you know, it was, there's plenty of room, like maybe like 60% full, but it's kind of an interesting vibe to go from, always jam packed for these bigger shows. And yeah, um, the, the scene here is good. There, there, there's a ton of music venues. That's the thing that surprised me was, I mean, there's actually more places to play in Denver than there were in Chicago, at least at the kind of level of band, Almanac man and bear con other bands I've been in there. And so there's, there's lots of options. Um, so, you know, it's, it's a good city in terms of that. Um, and then just living out here, I think my wife and I timed it. We didn't do it intentionally, but when COVID hit, um, there's a ton of stuff to do outside here, so we had a outdoor activity central. Of, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> especially if you a bunch like of snow. people back in Chicago were asking me, like, "Did you know that was coming? Did how did you? Yeah, did you, did you have some you intel that? that we weren't privy to? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting side note on COVID was uh, I didn't mention this, but with Almanac Man, we actually lost like five months right in the beginning because mm. the whole band got it together before oh. anybody even knew what it was oh. we, got, we got it like march 2nd oh man and like uh Harsh. we were just starting to be like hey uh everybody should start wearing masks and we're like oh wow this is something serious that would have been, that would have been good information nick, to have earlier yeah and then like the next day nick <laughs> called me and brian he's like hey i feel kind of stupid telling you this but my girlfriend's got a cough yeah. we're like ah whatever and then like two days later he's like yeah she's got covid and you couldn't even get a test back then. No, they she, didn't even have them. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. She uh she was able to get one because she has real real bad uh asthma. Right. So they like prioritized her, and it took like eighteen days to get the results or something crazy. And we had all recovered by that point, but after that, we had to kind of stay away. And you know, everybody knows how COVID went at the beginning, but it was a weird situation to have to put a pin in the band for like four months <laughs> again at, right at, at the at the inception practically yeah right? you know like yeah, right, yeah. right at the beginning of the story like when it's supposed to be when you get that kind of nervy thrill of having something new yeah. and then it's like oh yeah you got something new all right <laughs> <laughs> yeah here you go slappy yeah. pop um yeah and and and, and again and i just always bring this up that there seemed to there's this like retroactive piousness that a lot of people have of of like well everyone knew around then but I assure you people did not know around then and like no I mean it's 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 a weird it's a weird alternate history that has been built by some people that uh, is apparently exclusively to put judgment on folks online and I I, I don't care for it but anyway that's a different yeah, podcast I'm with you <laughs> that's a different I'm with you. uh so. Yeah, so what's so what's up what's up for Almanac Man for uh for this year? Yeah. Um so we're we're playing a couple of local shows. We actually got one Friday this week. We're playing with uh uh Moon Pussy out of um Denver as well. Um, Fantastic band. Joe and Ryan. I think we, they're awesome. Um I think we've played like seventy five percent of our shows with them though. It's kind of the running joke. Um It's so great by me. I love both those bands, either. so yeah, I just yeah. don't see them. Yeah, we're just saying we're not going to show. We're going to feel if they're not there. Something's going to feel yeah, off. Like, something um, seems weird about this show. What is yeah. it? <laughs> oh, we're playing with a different um, band. Okay. <laughs> and uh, Doug's on tour out of Minneapolis. Yeah, so, yeah. Well, they'll they'll be down for that one as well. 
and then after that, um, I think there's maybe there's one in September. We're probably going to we'll, we'll do with you, of course. But, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I wasn't I wasn't priming the bump for that, by the way. I, I, yeah. Actually, not, I can't say I forgot about it, but it wasn't top of mind. Yeah. Yeah. Which means I'll finally so, get to see you play, which is good. Yeah, yeah, that'll be great. Yeah, that's a cool venue too. It's a nice little bar slash venue deal. Um, and then after that, the big thing is we got our first uh, mini tour where we're gonna go down to No Coast. We're playing No Coast in October. Cool. That'll be really fun and good for the band to finally get out and play something a little bigger. And uh, we're gonna do two shows on the way down. We're gonna play uh, Kansas City at uh, Mini Bar. Um, and, uh, we're also playing, uh, I don't remember the venue off the top of my head, but we're playing in Oklahoma city the next night as well. On oh, the nice. Way down. Awesome. So get a couple shows in on the way down to Texas. Chat pile of country. Yeah. 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 Actually, uh, the guys in train dodge helped me set the one up in Oklahoma city. So that'll be train that'll dodge be cool. is, is, I should absolutely have those guys on the show. Like, I, I mean, that's, yeah, that's the reason why I would, you know, not that I did I have a basic understanding of geography, but that's the reason why I know about that area is because of Train Judge, you know. So for sure, yeah. And, and we top, played there only a handful of times. It's because of those guys, for sure. Yeah, I mean they're they're an institution at this point, and I mean that yeah. as a compliment, right? So, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's awesome. And I can can confirm, by the way, that the uh, yeah mini bar down to No Coast is. That's that's a good vibe. <laughs> did we did that yeah. in twenty twenty actually? That's uh for for the twenty twenty oh, No Coast, yeah. Very cool. Okay. Uh, there's there's a lot of cool stuff in Kansas City. It's an underrated town. Hundred percent agree with that one. Right. Uh, and then anything else? I don't want to catch up anything. Oh uh, no, it's only I mean, on the on the immediate horizon. Um, we got two new songs that were nice. nearing completion. I think I haven't talked to the other guys yet. I personally would like to kind of keep the EP thing going. I think it's my mind is released often and frequent and early <laughs> um yeah and it just I, I i had such a good experience at green door i personally like to go back there um i gotta clear it with brian and sean but uh yeah just uh writing playing and you know that's that's about it right now very cool well scott uh, i know you're at least somewhat familiar with the show so you may be familiar with what's going to come next but uh, it's the only can question I ever ask people and yeah. choose to interpret it however you like but why do you do what you do? Um, I, I've always been a pretty, so I, I can't, all right. Artistically, I've always had a draw towards sound and music. I, I can't draw for, for anything and, and, and never had any kind of like that kind of artistic side. Um, and so at a very early age, I got into music cause my dad, he's, he still plays a uh, saxophone player in a blues brothers band. And so I remember watching him play, man, I was probably like four or five. So that's always been part of my family makeup anyway. And um, yeah, I don't know. Just once I started playing with Rob and got that first taste of playing rock music, it just never looked back. And I even um, sometimes have had the experience like we were talking about when I was in Germany where I couldn't play drums and couldn't, really express myself for four or five, six months. And, um, I, I, I really need it, man. If I don't have it for long periods of time, I, I just, it brings my whole mood down, I would say, and just, I don't feel right, you know? So, um, why do I do it? It's, it's just kind of ingrained into me. And, um, you know, I, I, uh, always try to 
challenge myself to step outside of my comfort zone with, uh, with playing music. That's one of the reasons, uh, I know we didn't get to it, but, uh, when I first moved out here, I started doing some solo stuff, like putting a lot of stuff together with, uh, guitar and bass and keyboard and drums and doing everything myself. And, um, that was, uh, you know, again, just at first because I needed to just have music and be expressing myself. This is before I met up with Brian and everything and all Mac man. So, uh, to answer your question, I, I do it because I have to, <laughs> because I really enjoy it. And if I don't do it, I, I feel like, uh, I become a crabby person at that point. So, yeah. Scott Pico. Thanks so much, man. Thank you. you. Appreciate you, brother. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it very much. And, uh, I'll see you in about a month. I was going to say, I'll see you soon. <laughs> yeah. 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 All right, brother. Take care. Yeah. Have a good one. Thank you. Oh, there he goes. This is Scott Pico. Almanac Man. Bear Claw. Uh, rented Rooms. Uh, so many others. Uh, talented get, talented dude. Talented dude. Uh, go check out all of his uh, various things. And yeah, as mentioned, Ghost is Clear Records. Uh, Brian and Bobby. Don't want to... No, no Bobby Erasure here. Uh, sorry, Brian Erasure. God damn it. I'm trying to do th- two things at once. Uh, Bearclaw also everything's on Bandcamp bearclawbandcamp.com uh, and then there's that rented room 7 inch as well there's other things as well just use use your internet man figure it out you can figure it out uh, let's listen to some Almanac man this is uh, we're gonna start uh, yeah we'll, we'll, we're gonna play uh, we're gonna play Gloomed Moon here this is Gloomed Moon uh, the ending track on For Your Cause
rooms pacemaker that's uh something you can get on good old Bandcamp. this is a seven inch rented rooms before that we had bear claw that is the mighty bear claw with backbreaker that is the kickoff song on return the gift uh, sorry, i god damn it refuse this gift <laughs> well, this is, this is why I do it live, man. Uh, that's funny. Uh, great song, great record. Uh, bearclaw.bandcamp.com. I don't think that's on the other streaming services. The other ones are, but uh, that's I think that's the best one. And before all of that, of course, Almanac Man with Gloomed Moon. For your cause, Ghost is Clear Records, Brian and Bobby. Uh, great stuff. I like that record a lot. And of course, that was Mr. Scott Pico, who's uh, just, uh, just the best. Awesome dude. Cool. So, hope y'all enjoyed that. As we come to the close of our broadcast day. The name of this show, of course, is Conan and Touch Protonic Reversal. Thank you very much for listening to it. This show airs live Thursdays, 8 Eastern, 7 Central. Six Mountain, five Pacific. Signing off here in Radio Nope, RadioNope.com. Say yes to Nope. Streaming on YouTube, Twitch, Anyone within the sound of my voice. Facebook sometimes, all that stuff. If you like the show, uh, archives ProtonConversal.com, always yeah. free. No ads, no sponsors, no kidding. But if you want, fifty thousand watts of power. episodes sooner. And to help support the show, $1 a month, patreon.com slash protonicreversal. That achieves that goal. Uh, of course, if you do like the show, or even just a single episode, please feel free to share it along. Uh, like, subscribe, post a review. All that helps people find the show. And this is the darn nice thing to do. Into electricity. 
Chat piles up next week. Stay safe out there. Take it easy. I got my radio on. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? to my top 10. I'd like to thank our sponsor. But we haven't got a sponsor. Not if you were the last man on earth. She was prepared to prove it. This one goes out to a special girl. There is no special girl! It's the, it's the end of radio. The last announcer plays the last record. The last what? Leaves the transmitter. Circles the globe in search of a listener. Can you hear me now? if there's no one there to receive. It's the end radio. 
close of our broadcast day. Got my radio. This is a real goddamn 